0: Welcome to the Woods Edge Young Adult Podcast. We hope this message helps you to see Jesus and yourself a little more clearly. Well, hello, friends. Good to see you all again. And man, when we were in worship, I was just thinking, well, two things. One, if, if God didn't create us, then we have no identity. And, and that's what we've been talking about, right? If you want to know who you are, then you have to know who God is. And that's what, that's what we've been going on the quest to discover who is God and who are we in relationship to Him. So I'm, I'm, there's nothing that I would rather talk to you about today than those things. The second thing is, seven years ago, I was sitting in the same place that you guys are right now and I had just come to the Lord in 2015. I gave my life to Jesus. I didn't grow up in a family that knew Jesus at all and I was I was a mess an absolute mess and I felt the Father's love for me in this church for the first time in a, ch- in a really tangible way and it changed my life it absolutely changed my life forever so I'm super grateful and you know you, you guys are the generation that's going to come up and y'all are going to be the ones teaching and preaching and singing and without you the gospel won't continue. So this may seem like a small thing. You just came to Thursday, or what, what day is it, Sunday? Sunday night. It used to be on Thursday. Sunday night church, just another night, but it's so much bigger than that. So much bigger than that. This is your purpose, is to be with God, to know God, to love God, and then to leave here and not keep what you learn to yourself, but go and proclaim it to anyone who's willing to listen. Yeah. So it's, it's a big deal. So, before I get started, I just love to pray. I love to pray. Lord thinking about you, thinking about even being in this room seven years ago, and how you are just drawing me to yourself. not because I deserved it, but because you're good, because you love. Because you're willing to deliver and save and change hearts of stones into hearts of flesh. And Lord, you've done that. And Lord, you're doing that continuously in all of us. Lord, would you soften our hearts tonight that we may hear you and see you rightly, not for the gods that we try to make in our minds, but who you really are. God, we want to know you. Teach us your word, Lord. Lord, I thank you that because you're good and you're kind, that you're willing to reveal to us the deep truths of your Scripture. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Man, I don't know about you, but every time I spend weeks in the Old Testament, there's like a reverence for the Lord (laughs) that just really comes over me. And I've I've had the opportunity to do that because you... We get to do this sermon series over the Old Testament, and we're just reading it. I'm just pouring over it and thinking about it and asking God who He is and what He's like, and it's just like insanity, absolute insanity. So whoever you are tonight, I don't, I don't know if you've ever read the Bible at all. Maybe it's your first time to ever like, think about reading the Bible, and I'm so glad you're here. Um, we're we're going to start off, I'm going to give a little recap, and then we're going to go into something that's called the law the law. And it's one of my favorite things to talk about, surprising to some. Um, but wherever you are, you know, I just pray that you leave tonight even with one truth about God. And if you leave here with one truth about God and you start thinking about it and you apply it to your life, then you could be changed forever. Just one. It doesn't need to be a hundred. Just one. Just try to take one. Ask him what that one truth would be and take it home. So, last week, last couple weeks, Lee started us out with creation. God created everything, He created us, we're His creatures. And because we're His creatures, not just any creatures though, but He created us with value. You guys remember that? Walking in purpose and relationship with God, He created everything. And then Something tragic happened. Humans were supposed to be in relationship with God, and they rebelled against Him, and that's just something we broadly call the fall. Sin enters the world. What is sin? Sin is anything you think, anything you say, or anything that you do that is contrary to God's original plan and design for your life. And that's what happened. Contrary to God's original design. And then fall, sin entered into the world. But thanks be to God... For hope, there was hope and that hope was found in Genesis 3.15 where God says that there is going to be one born of the woman who will eventually attack the head of the serpent and the serpent will attack the heel of the son. A death blow to a death blow. But I reminded you guys that just because the one who was born that is going to bring hope would die... What the enemy doesn't know is the one who brings hope would actually raise from the dead. Incredible. Did you know that Satan is not omnipresent, omnipotent? He he does not know everything, and he's not everywhere at once. He doesn't know all the plans that God has. So when he strikes Jesus, maybe he didn't think that Jesus would actually get back up. But he did. And because he did, That's why I'm actually talking about the scriptures. (laughs) Right? So, that's the hope that we had. And then, after we went to the hope, we went to Abraham. And Abraham was given a promise. His promise was offspring, land, blessing, He wasn't just blessed for anything, though, was he? Abraham was blessed to be a blessing to all of the families of the earth. All of the families of the earth. And that would include, eventually, the Gentiles, the the non-Israelites. They would come to actually be in relationship with Yahweh, this covenant God that we're talking about. And that's why we're here. And that's through faith that we actually get to enter into this um, blessing, And we talked about that. How do you become sons of Abraham? It is by faith. It's Galatians 3.16, I believe. If you want to check that out. And so that's kind of where we left off. And I was hyping you guys up about something called the law. Something called the law. And in that law, there's a lot of rules. There's a lot of rules. So I'm going to tell you a story. One time... I began learning how to play a board game called Catan. Has anybody heard of it? Yeah? Good. Can't stand the game. I think it's called Catan because I'm a Texan. It just makes sense. Um, So Catan, we don't have to die on that hill, but I'm pretty sure it's Catan. Either way, I sat down with my friends after I became a Christian. I found out pretty much every Christian plays this game called Catan. It's a board game. And so I wanted to be cool like them. And so I sat down and they began telling me all of the rules. And if you've ever played it, you know that there is a lot of rules to this game. Rules after rules after rules. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I don't think this is even fun anymore. <laughs> I was like, what are we doing? And I, I played the first game very confused. It's like, it's like you, guys are, you guys are something else. And so I, I played it again graciously. I understood a little bit more. And then they come back over next week and I played it again. And I started to get the hang of it. And I realized that I actually really liked the game. Loved it. It's like, man, this game is awesome. And then my roommate and I began playing the game by ourselves, just two on two, because I thought it was so fun. Now, if I didn't understand the rules of the game, I wouldn't be able to play it, would I? What game can you play without understanding the rules? None. It it makes it not a game anymore. And God has given us specific things in His Word That if you don't understand it, then you don't know how to play the game. You don't know how to read the scriptures. Because there's rules. There's things that have taken place already. We've talked about a lot of these things. Like we can't forget about the promise of Abraham, can we? We get all the way to the New Testament and we're like, well, that was back then. It's like, no, 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 you can't do that. You can't do that. So God's, I'm going to erase this part, but God's revelation to us is kind of like this. And it's progressive. And so it's continuing. We'll call this Jesus. It starts out pretty broad, right? And as we continue down through generations and generations and generations, we find out that His revelation of hope, the hope that's to come, becomes very specific, doesn't it? Starts out wide. We're like, okay, there's going to be a guy who's coming. He's going to crush the head of the serpent one day. Sounds good. And then you keep on going and you keep on going. And then Abraham shows up and God's like, hey, you're going to have some land. You're going to have a whole bunch of offspring, as many as the stars in the sky, the sand of the sea. And you're going to be a blessing to be, the, to be a blessing to all the nations, to all the families of the earth. You're like, well, that's, that's a little more specific, isn't it? And then it keeps on going down and it keeps on going down. And eventually we find the law somewhere in here. And his law is part of his revelation to us of who is to come and why he is to come. And so you can think of it that way. Genesis to Revelation, right? That it's very important for us to think about it as this revelation that continues to reveal to us who Jesus actually is. We could spend a lot of time talking about that in great detail. It would include all of the prophecies about Jesus, every single one of them. How specific is the scriptures on who Jesus was? Really specific. It's like there's no question who he is. So we're not going to go over the prophets because Chris is going to talk about the prophets next, next Sunday. And yet, what do we know? What do we want to know about the land let me see where we're at. Does anybody remember um, how many times that the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament that I said last week? Anybody remember? I'll buy you a delicious gas station treat if you uh, if you can guess it. Six hundred thirty-five. It's more. Eight hundred sixty-five. Eight fifty-five. I think so. I think you got it. Okay. So before we jump straight into the law, I want to to talk to you about how the law even came about. But 855 times the Old Testament is quoted in the New Testament. So you want to understand what the New Testament says, then you actually have to know what the Old Testament says. We also talked about what the Word of God is, and we found out that it was useful for teaching, for correction, for reproof, and the training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every single good work, right? And so if those things are true, 855 times in the New Testament, and then we find out that the God-breathed scriptures that are true is useful for teaching and reproof and correction, and we better know what it says, and not just in the New Testament, but also in the Old Testament. Very important. Right? In fact, I, I, will, I, I don't think that you can actually interpret the scriptures without understanding the Old Testament. And then even further, I don't think that you will do it well if you don't understand what the law is. If you don't understand what the law is. So when you're bored in Leviticus and Deuteronomy... That's what I'm trying to shake off here right now. Leviticus and Deuteronomy are incredible. Man, getting excited. Okay, so Israel goes to slavery after Abraham, right? Abraham, Isaac, Joseph, slavery, Egypt. They're in slavery for 400 years. How do we know? God tells us in Genesis. They'll be in slavery for 400 years. Pretty incredible. God's word comes to pass. And there's a whole bunch of things going on. Pharaoh, he's an evil guy. He's killing all the firstborn of the Hebrew because they're becoming more powerful than his own people. And this little boy, Moses, a Hebrew boy, is set in the river, and Pharaoh's daughter picks him up. Doesn't want him to be killed, and the daughter actually raises him in Pharaoh's own household. What a gift. But all the, all the Hebrew boys couldn't die. Why? Because of the promise. God is revealing to us how the promise would continue. It would continue through Moses. Moses would then deliver God's people, not by himself, not by his own strength, but by whose strength? God's strength. By his mighty right hand and his outstretched arm, he's going to deliver the Hebrews, from slavery. And just a fun note, a little side note, God says that He hears the cries of His people. And when He hears the cries of His people, He rescues them out of slavery. God hears, He hears our cries. He heard our cries then, and He hears our cries now. Thank you, Lord. So there, God rescues them. I'm sure, I'm sure you've heard of it. I'm sure you've heard of how God actually rescues His people. He sends plagues to Pharaoh. He does all kinds of crazy things. Frogs, flies, rivers of blood, staffs turned into snakes. Just crazy things. Absolutely crazy things. And eventually, the Hebrews go out through the Red Sea. The Egyptian army is destroyed, and they celebrate. Uh, Moses actually sings a psalm, the psalm of Moses, and everything seems good, and they end up in the wilderness. They're in the wilderness, and they're going where? Yeah, come on, say it. Alright, come on, Canaan? Let's get specific. How do you spell that? Two A's? I think so. Canaan. They're going to Canaan. Why? Because that's where God told Abraham to go. That's where that's where the promise was. That's where the the land flowing with milk and honey. And so they go, they're running around in the wilderness, and Moses ends up going on Mount Sinai. And he meets with the Lord. He meets with the Lord. Even before Moses meets with the Lord, Moses finds out God's covenant name, which is Yahweh. Very important. We could spend a whole hour on that, but remember, his name is, is, is Yahweh. What that means is, I am who I am. God has no beginning. He has no end. He needs no authority other than himself because he is who he is. He's the creator of everything. I am who I am, is what he tells Moses to go back and say pretty wild. So now he's Moses is hanging out with I Am Who I Am on Mount Sinai, and God gives him the Ten Commandments plus the rest of the law. Most of the time we stop and we just think about the Ten Commandments, right? Like, is that the entirety of the law? No. So the law itself, which is given to Moses on Mount Sinai, has 613 total laws or commandments. 613. That's a lot of laws. I, I wouldn't, like, remember Catan? I thought Catan was difficult. There's probably, like, what? How many do you think there are? 90 laws? So we got 613 laws, and these laws are given for a specific reason. Very specific reason. A lot of specific reasons. Actually, it's not just one. There's rarely anything that actually is just, like, one for one reason, God did something in the scripture. So if you're thinking that theologically about something, you're like, hey, this is like the only reason. It's like, probably not. It's probably not how that works. So God gives the law. And one of the reasons, my friend Landon was at the prayer service, um, the sta- all-day staff prayer. And I think it's one of my favorite reasons, actually, which I got super excited about. And he said... Uh, something on the lines of that the law was given to us because God always makes a way to be with his people. The law was given because God always makes a way to be with his people. So when God gives the law, he gets to dwell with his people in a different way. Remember that because of the fall, people were separated from right relationship with him and so there's going, there needs to be something that takes place so that God and sinful people can actually dwell together. We have a problem. God is holy and perfect and good, and we are not. Right? And all the way up until this point in Exodus, we find out that people are in fact not good. It just continues to get worse and worse and worse and worse, and people are evil, and it's revealed. And yet for some reason the mercy and the grace and the love of God, he continues to pursue humanity. That's his grace, that he would do anything like that. Absolutely wonderful. So God always makes a way to be with his people. And that's one of the reasons why he gives us the law. So the law is specifically Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and it's also revealed to us in Exodus. Deuteronomy, Leviticus, and it's revealed to us in Exodus It's like Exodus 19 through basically the end. God has to give uh, the law to Moses two times. Did you know that? Two times. Why? Because he's up there. He comes down, and Israel's already worshiping a golden calf. And and they're like, hey, this is the God that delivered us from, from Egypt. And Moses throws the tablets that God had written on on the ground, and he has to go back up the mountain again and get them a second time. That's going to come back later, so remember that golden calf story. Not good, right? Not good. So Leviticus. Leviticus means matter pertaining to the Levites. Super exciting. Deuteronomy means second law. So matter pertaining to the Levites and the second law. Who are the Levites? Aaron's son's. Aaron's sons become the Levites. Where did the name Levi come from? Son of Jacob. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Levi. Levi's come. All of Jacob's children get an inheritance of the land. They get part of this inheritance. They get land, but the Levites, they don't get land. They get to be priests. And they actually get to be in the tabernacle of the Lord, which is a very special gift. And so they get to dwell in the presence of God in a very special way because of the law. And apart from the law, then the Levites actually can't dwell in the presence of the Lord in a special way, can they? No. So, let's see. God made a way to dwell with his people. And the law revealed to us also how sinful we are and that we actually need forgiveness through sacrifice. It has revealed to us how sinful we are and the need of sacrifice. It's really troubling to me, actually, to read Leviticus and you hear all of the bloodshed that takes place by the sacrifice of animals. If you haven't read it, read it. And I think the point of it is so that way you feel that. I don't think it's like, no, there's like a way to explain yourself out of it. There, there's not. We are pretty messed up. And what, has, what takes place is that there has to be bloodshed. Life is in the blood. Life is given so that way you can actually be forgiven. Does the law actually forgive sins? Don't answer that. Yes, it does. David says... As far as the east is from the west, so far have my transgressions been removed from me. David was under the law. Not under the new covenant of grace that we're under. Jesus hasn't been born. So David somehow is forgiven. What we're going to find out is that the law does more than just, or what we need is more than just forgiveness, but we need to be made righteous. And being made righteous comes through Christ. We get to dwell with Him forever if we're made righteous. If we're just forgiven, that just leaves us kind of like in a neutral state. It's like, but Jesus imputes His righteousness onto us. That's how you can say that you're His Son. That you're really, this is my Son son in whom you're well pleased. right? How do you do that? Because He makes you righteous. You get to receive what He has. That doesn't happen until Jesus comes. But the law was given so that they could be forgiven, and if they're forgiven then they can actually dwell in the presence of God. Just in a little place, just in a little place, just in the tent of meeting, just in the tabernacle. Not a big place. Hey guys, real quick. This, This may seem like a lot of information, like we're just trudging through some water right now. And I hope that this helps you for the next, however long you're alive reading the Bible. I could, I could tell you a, whole, like a bunch of fun stories about all of these things that we're going over right now, Like, but this, these little details matter so much. And as you're, when you're home and you're reading these scriptures by yourself, it is going to be so helpful that you just thought a little bit about what the law is, why it came, and different things. And so I just want to encourage you with that. This is like for the next 80 years of your life. 80 years. So I hope you remember it one day you're reading the law. The law reveals God's holiness. It reveals our sinfulness. It reveals God's holiness. How does it reveal His holiness? When the sons of Aaron, the Levites, eventually they become anointed with oil. They are called priests. They make the sacrifices like they're supposed to. And it says that God's glory fills the tent of meeting. Just, and fire goes out of the sides of the tent and ignites all of the altars all at the same time. That would be terrifying. And it says that Israel was in absolute terror. Terror. And they fall on their face before the Lord in His glory, in His holiness. Same thing happens when when the, the cloud descends on Mount Sinai, when Moses gets the, gets the law for the first time. The cloud descends, God speaks from a thunderous voice, and it says that they will fear Him, and they will remember, and then they will also listen to Moses in the way that He showed up. His holiness is revealed. Something that I prayed in the very beginning was that, Lord, would You help us understand God for who You are, would you help us understand you for who you are and not for who we make you up to be? And so as we go through the Old Testament, there may be some things that rub on you and you say to yourself, that's not, that's not the God that I follow. And I would say, maybe you don't know Him like He wants you to know Him. Because the Old Testament is not different, not a different God than the God of the New Testament. He's the same. The same yesterday, today, and forever is what it says that he's going to be. And so, as we're going through this, these scriptures, and they're hard sometimes, by the way, it's like it's not easy for me either. I'm not, I'm not just like reading this and be like, whoa. It's like that's super easy to, for me just to comprehend and deal with emotionally. It's like, no, it's not. It's like, Lord, how does, how does that work? And a lot of times there's mystery involved. But I have to trust the Lord for who he says that he is. Something that he says is that he's good. He says in Psalm, or it says, it's, it's said about him that the Lord is good and does good. It's like Psalm 119.68. The Lord is good and does good. So remember that forever. So even when you read the Old Testament and you're like, that's scary. That's the scariest thing I've ever seen. Remember that he's good. Remember that he still loves you. One of the things that he reveals about himself to Moses is that he is loving, merciful, kind, willing to forgive a thousand generations. That's what he says his name is. Merciful, kind, loving, forgiving. You're like, whoa. So that's a little bit about the law. That's kind of, this is just some background things. And so let's, um, let's read a little bit of what the law says. So let's turn to Leviticus. Chapter 1. I'm just kidding. Let's do uh, 26, actually. Leviticus 26. The things pertaining to the Levites. Leviticus. It'd be pretty cool if, like, the glory of the Lord just showed up in this room. Boom! As we were reading Leviticus. All right, I'm just going to read um, just the first... The first few verses just to give you an idea what it sounds like if you've never heard it before so one through two verse our chapter 26 one through two says you shall not make idols for yourselves or erect an image or pillar and you shall not set up a figure of stone in your land to bow down to it for i am the lord all caps lord that's yahweh i am who i am your god you shall keep my sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary, I am Yahweh. That's how it starts. He's like, I created you. I made all the earth and everything in it, and this is my law. If you want to dwell in my presence, and you do, because that's why you were created, then you will follow me. And if you follow me, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless you you see the title, it says blessings for obedience. He's like, don't bow down to idols in a foreign land. Don't like, don't, don't bring them here, don't go there. He's like, worship me. I am who I am. It's God. Whoa. If you walk in my this is verse three, if you walk in my statutes and observe my commandments and do them. Then I will give you rains in their season, and the land shall yield its increase. And the trees of the field shall yield the fruit. Your threshing shall last to the time of the grape harvest, and the grape harvest shall last to the time of the sowing. And you shall eat the bread to the full, and dwell in your land securely. I will give you peace in the land. And you shall lie down, and none shall make you afraid. I'd keep going, but we're going to come back there. If you obey me, then all of these things will happen when you go to Canaan. Who's he talking to? Israel. Is he talking to you? Say no. 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 He's talking to Israel, and they're going to a very specific place. They're going to Canaan. And if they want to be blessed by God, then they would have to be obedient to what? The rules of the game. They They have to follow what the law says very specifically. So if you if you flip open to this chapter or any other part of the law and you're like that's me that's what I'm gonna do, it's like man, it's like I was planting those crops in my backyard and now Lord grow them up send the rain, you know and it's like no like that's not what that's not, this isn't to you this is to Israel, very specific context very specific time, different covenant than what you're in right now. Is there a way to apply the law to your life today? Absolutely. But if you don't know the law, then you can't interpret the rest of the Bible. So it's really important, right? Because Israel is going to be following these rules for the rest of this time forward. Any time after this forward, this is it. They're going to follow it. Okay, so turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is the other portion. If you were going to memorize two, two chapters in the law, memorize Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. Maybe not memorize, fam- become very familiar with those two. It will save your life. Okay, starting in verse 1, Deuteronomy 28. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all His commandments that I command you today, the Lord your God will set, set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground. And the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds, and the young of your flock. Blessed shall your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way and flee before you seven ways." It gets, it, it gets a, little, a little difficult, though, when we start reading the curses, doesn't it? Yeah. Did you say curses, Duncan? Yeah. It's crazy. So the next part, this is, this, is, this is the difficult part. Remember where I said that it becomes difficult. This is where it starts to get difficult. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all that he has commanded, this is starting in verse 15, sorry for not telling you. If you will not obey the voice of the Lord your God or be careful to do all His commandments and His statutes that I command you today, then all these curses shall come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall you be in the city and cursed shall you be in the field. Cursed shall, shall be your basket and your kneading bowl and everything else. Whoa. So if you flip open to Deuteronomy and you want to apply the first part of 28 to your life, the blessings, you're like, Yeah. Those are my blessings. Then you also have to follow the rules and apply the rest of the chapter, which is the curses. I promise you, you don't want to do that. Okay? Because it's not to you. It's to Israel. And praise God for that. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. I don't want, the, I don't want these curses on my life. Okay. So now you get a little idea. So I could just tell you a lot about this, but what I would like to do is actually just show you how to interpret some stories of the Old Testament using the law. Okay? So, let's first flip to this story. I don't know if you've ever heard it. It's about uh, David and Goliath. Anybody heard that story? So, it's 1 Samuel 17. 1 Samuel 17. I'm going to be starting in in verse 26, and I'm going to skip around a little bit, but this is what it says. 1 Samuel 17, verse 26. And David said to the men who stood by him, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in the same way, so shall it be done to the man who kills him. Okay, I'm going to skip down to verse 32. And David said to Saul, let no, heart's man, or let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are but a youth. And he has been a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. (laughs) Big deal, David. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them. For he has defied, very important, he has defied the armies of the living God. And David said, The Lord who delivered me from the pall of the lion and from the pall of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Go, and I am who I am, be with you. Is this story about how good David is so far? Absolutely not. Who, whose armies is the Philistines defying? The armies of the living God, right? Yeah. So this story isn't about how David worked out, fought some bears, fought some lions. Like, Is God preparing him for what he's going to do in the future with his past? Absolutely. But there's more. There's more going on. This story is about God and how good he is, right? We go to find out that what, what happens to Goliath. He gets his head caught off by David, this little shepherd boy, and David doesn't even wear any armor, he just takes what he has, he has a sling, he throws a stone, hits, hits Goliath right in the head, he falls down, and then David chops his head off. With his own sword? Yeah. Oh, a big sword. It's a Goliath sword. So turn to Leviticus chapter 26, verse 6 through 8. Because this is the first thing that came to my mind when I read it. I was like, oh my goodness. It's like Lord, you're so good. Starting in verse six in chapter twenty-six of Leviticus. I will give peace in the land, and you shall lie down. These are the blessings. Remember that. And none shall make you afraid. And I will remove harmful beasts from the land. Whoa, whoa, whoa a harmful beast, like a lion and a bear. Interesting. Did you think David? Do you think he knew what the law said? A Hebrew boy one day to be king as if he didn't know what deuteronomy said in leviticus and exodus he didn't know the stories of abraham and isaac and Je- of course he did and so when david sees these bears and these lions he says no 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 he's like this is the, the, you know what the word says there's going to be there's not going to be a beast in my field there's not going to there's not going to be a sword that goes through my land because the lord is with me right So we keep on going. None shall make you afraid, and I will remove harmful beasts from the land, and the sword shall not go through your land. You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase 10,000. The God that we serve is a God of impossible odds. Why? Because he is with us, not because we're good. Not because we're strong, but because he is. And David, when he goes and he sees the Philistine, he he looks at Leviticus chapter 26, except they didn't have chapters and verses. And he says, no, no. Because the Lord is going to give him into my hand. Why? Because they had somewhere to go. He had a promise that he believed in. And if these Philistines were going to stop God's promise from taking place, then he knew that they were going to get taken out. The God of impossible odds is with them. He could have five and chase a hundred, or a hundred and chase ten thousand. He's like, what is this one Philistine going to do? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. I think that's what the story of David and Goliath is actually about. I think it's based on the law. I think it's based on God's promises, not on how good David is. I am happy that David has faith, but I think it's about God, not about how strong David was. Next story. Saul goes to see a medium. 1 Samuel 28, 4-7. 1 Samuel 28, 4-7. through 7. It says, The Philistines assembled and came and encamped at Shunem. And Saul gathered all Israel and they encamped at Gilboa. When, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid. You should already know that's not right. And his heart trembled greatly, and when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, or by Urim, or by prophets. Then Saul said to his servants, Seek out for me a woman who is a medium, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a medium at Endor. All right, back to the law. We're going to go to... Deuteronomy 18, verses 9 through 14. Deuteronomy 18, is that right? Yep. Okay, starting verse 9. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn to follow the abominable practices of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who burns his son or daughter as an offering or anyone who practices divination or tells fortunes or interprets omens or a a sorcerer or a charmer or a medium or a necromancer or one who inquires of the dead. For whoever does these things is an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God is driving them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. For these nations, which you are about to disp- dispossess, listen listen to the fortune tellers and to the div- diviners. Or the diviners. So they're listening to them. But as for you, the Lord your God has not allowed you to do this. And so Saul goes. He sees the army. He's afraid. And what does he do? He goes to the medium. What does the law say? Don't do that. Don't do that. And what happens if you do that? The curses. The curses happen, right? So, verse 19 back at 1 Samuel 28 says, Moreover, the Lord will give Israel also with you into the hand of the Philistines. And tomorrow you and your son shall be with me. The Lord will give the army of Israel also into the hand of the Philistines. Of the Philistines whoa he goes and sees a medium and now all of a sudden the whole army is gonna lose yes why because now they're gonna receive the curses of Israel Leviticus 26 Deuteronomy 28 you could read it you could read it you see it you see how it's making sense it's just crazy to me the entire Old Testament after the law is given is like this like we could just do this all night over and over and over and over. What do the prophets prophesy about? What do the judges do? What are the kings supposed to do? It just goes on and on about the law. I'll show you a few more. Um, let's read David's instructions to Solomon. It's 1 Kings uh, chapter 2, verse 1-5. through 5. So this is David's instruction. Uh, after, after David is about to die, Solomon is going to take his place. And a good king, a man after God's own heart, this is what he says. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I'm about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God walking in His ways and keeping His statutes and His commandments, His rules and His testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses. That you may prosper, you may be blessed in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he has spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons pay close attention to their way and walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, and shall not they shall you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. David says, Son, if you want to be prosperous, if you want to follow the God that I have followed my entire life, follow the law of Moses. Follow the law of Moses, and you will be prosperous. There's another, there's another one like that in Jer- uh, Joshua chapter 1. He says, Be strong and courageous. Meditate on my law day and night and you will make your way prosperous. What law? The law. Right? There's only one. And it was given to Moses. And so if they want to be prosperous, they follow the law. Does Solomon do a good job at this? We're going to find out. First Kings chapter 10. starting at verse 26. This is about King Solomon. Remember, David just gave him this charge. He's like, follow the law of Moses. And Solomon gathered together chariots and horsemen. He had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horsemen, and he stationed in the chariot cities with the king in Jerusalem. And the king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stone, and he made cedar as plentiful as sycamore. And Solomon's import of his horses was from Egypt. And And the king's traders received them from Ku at a price. A chariot could be imported from Egypt for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. And so through the king's traders, they were exported to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. Now, King Solomon loved many foreign women, along with the daughter of Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidonite, and Hittite women. From the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the people of Israel, this is quoting Exodus 34, verse 14, I believe, or 16, 34:16. 16, you shall not enter into marriage with them, neither shall they... Neither shall they with you, for surely they will turn you away in your heart after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love. He had 700 wives who were princes and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned turned away his heart after other gods, and his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father." Doesn't that make you sad? Makes me sad. Let's go to Deuteronomy. I think it's 17. Yeah. Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20. Israel, God wanted to be Israel's king the whole time, by the way. The fact that they even have a king is because of their own sinfulness. It's a whole nother day, whole nother thing. All right. Starting at verse 15, chapter 17 of Deuteronomy. You may need, indeed, set a king over you whom the Lord your God will choose. One from among your brothers has to be an Israelite, Hebrew. You shall set as king over you. You may not put a foreigner over you who is not your brother, only he must not acquire many horses huh, for himself or cause the people to return to Egypt. Where did he, where did he get his, his horses from? Egypt. You shall never return that way again. Not good. And he shall not acquire many wives for himself lest his heart turn away nor shall he acquire for himself excessive silver and gold. So as soon as I read that I'm like reading through Chapter 10, chapter 11, and it says, Saul had much gold, many horses from the wrong place, and way too many wives, and they were all foreigners. What? It's like, no, like, did you not read the law? Do you not love God? He should have known. And now you know how to interpret the story rightly. You you don't have to try to come up with, like, some cool story about King Solomon and, like, all the like it doesn't he was disobedient to god that's it he was being disobedient and later what's gonna what's gonna happen to him the curses how do, how do you know of course he is because god's word is going to come to pass even in king solomon's life and so it happens the kingdom is split they keep going and sinfulness of humanity is revealed over and over again, but we haven't lost hope. We haven't lost hope. We're learning the rules of the game, but there's still hope, guys. There's still, remember when I told you that learning Catan at first was not fun. It was like, ugh. It's like, why am I doing this? It's like, this isn't even a fun game. This is how you play the game. If you want to interpret the Bible, if you want to, if you want to interpret the New Testament too, this doesn't change. It goes on into the New Testament, with, even with the law specifically. Okay, so he has many horses, many wives. What's going to take place is that because of his disobedience, he's going to receive the curses of the law, which are there's going to be foreigners that come, and they are going to destroy him. Eventually, they're going to destroy the temple, which is the timeline of the Old Testament. And there, anytime that you see that Jerusalem or Israel... Are, is going to be destroyed, what should you think? They're, they're disobedient. They have to be disobedient. Why? Because they're receiving the curses of the law. And, but they, reser- they receive very specific things. Like, it's not just, like, random stuff happening to them, like, it's like, oh, like, they wrecked their car if they had, right. No. Like, that's not what happens. Like, they, they have very, very specific things. Like, mite and mildew, or blight and mildew, locusts, famines, Foreigners come. not like There's not like a division in between them where they fight each other, but foreigners are going to come. They're going to take you to a land. You're going to be scattered to all different places. They're going to destroy your temple. Like it says all of that in the law. And that's actually exactly what takes place. It's, it's crazy. So hundreds and hundreds of years before the temple was built, because the temple wasn't built until Solomon came, God prophesied that Israel was going to be obedient, they were going to be blessed, they were going to then receive the curses, enemies were going to come, they were going to destroy the temple, and then they're going to get scattered. But one day, they can come back because God is a merciful and kind God, and He's going to forgive them. It says that in the law. Leviticus 26, the very end, and it also says that in Deuteronomy chapter 30. So if you keep reading, you actually get to find grace. Over and over, and over, and over. And oftentimes, how long does it take for God to actually give one of the curses to Israel? It often takes a really long time. A lot of times you read it and you're like, well, it seems like it just went bam, bam. That's because we're just reading it on like one page. It's like, but it could, it could have been a hundred years before God actually said, you know what, that is enough. It's like, I've been sending you like mildew, It's like, oh, like, big deal. He sent you mildew, and he sends you mildew, and what he says by that is, you should return to me. Remember who I am, that you were designed to be in relationship with me. Follow me, and you will be blessed. I love you. Remember me. I'm the God who delivered you from slavery in Egypt and your fathers, right? He's like, I'm faithful. And he's like, I sent you just mildew. So that way you could just like understand that you're receiving some some discipline of the Lord so that way you can return. And he does that over and over and over like a good father does. Until they rebel against him again and again and again. And what do they receive? They receive punishment for their sins. So guys, I have I have another one to show you. But I think you get the idea. As we continue, or as you continue to read the law, what God has given us, I'm telling you, there is not, There is. I, I don't know if there's like a chapter of the Bible that you can't do this with. You're like, well, what does that mean? How do, like, why did Jesus say that? Why did, why did Samuel decide to do that, the prophet? Why did Saul say that? Why did David do that? Why did that happen to David? It's, it's like all right there. It's all right there. And so when I personally, like, like when I read Leviticus and Deuteronomy now, like I am just fueled, fueled. I'm like, I want to know every little detail, every little detail. Because it makes sense. It makes sense. I'm like, oh. I was like, no, that's amazing. Okay, so those are some ideas about how to read that. And then, let's say, what do we say about God based off of Leviticus and Deuteronomy? Is there, is there something for us today? I said it's about Israel. It's not about you. You can't read it and then be like, I want the blessings or I want the curses. Like That's not for you. It's like, what, what does that mean? Like, what, like, how, Lord? Like What do I do with this information? And I think one of the most powerful things about the law is that God is faithful to his word. He is so faithful to his word, like to the T. Now, if he's that faithful to, to say and do what he's going to say, then can you trust him? Can you trust what he says about you right now? Can you trust who he says that he is? Can you trust what he says he's going to do in the future when he returns to the earth? Yeah, I can do that. Because he has proved himself to be faithful all through the entire Bible, from Genesis all the way through. We're still waiting on some promises, aren't we? Still waiting on Jesus to come back. He's going to make all things new. He's going to be our light. We're going to dwell with him forever. What an incredible day that's going to be. But I trust that he's going to do that because he's faithful to to fulfill his word, he's done it all through the scriptures. For example, if God says that you're forgiven, believe it. How, why? Because he fulfilled everything through Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And if he looks at you and he says to you, you are forgiven. Trust it. Trust it to be true. Trust it to be true. If he says to you that you're righteous in my righteousness, trust him. You get to walk in righteousness now. That's it. It's because that's what he says. Jesus says, I I told you guys this last time, but Jesus says that he fulfills all the law, all the Psalms, and all the prophets. How does he fulfill the law? We just read a lot of the law. Actually, we didn't read a lot of it. We just read a little bit of it. But how does he fulfill it? And here's some ways that he fulfills it. Jesus is our scapegoat. Jesus is baptized and then he goes into the wilderness for 40 days. They would make this offering on the day of atonement. One would be this very special sacrifice for sin, which we'll talk about next. And the other one, all the sins of Israel would be placed on the scapegoat. The scapegoat would run into the wilderness and all the sins of Israel would go there. Jesus fulfills that for us. You can see it happening when he's baptized and then he walks into the wilderness for 40 days right away, showing us that he is fulfilling the law. John the Baptist sees him and he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. pretty big statement all the sacrifices of the Old Testament the biggest one the day of atonement where all of Israel's sins would be forgiven the priest would make a sacrifice of this lamb and Jesus fulfills the law for us by ultimately becoming the sacrifice for us on our behalf Jesus is our high priest he's a perfect high priest where do you get the priest from? the law So Jesus is showing us he will become our high priest and when he becomes our high priest and he becomes our atonement for our sin, we get to dwell with him in his presence and his glory forever. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. He is our Sabbath rest. The only reason they practiced the Sabbath was because the law told them to practice the Sabbath. Jesus comes and he says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath, which means that he's God, by the way, because if he creates the Sabbath day, then he is God, because God created the law. And then in Hebrews 4.3, it says, he who has believed has entered that rest. Hebrews 4.3, Jesus is our Sabbath. We get to rest in him. We now have every blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You want blessings? Have them by faith in Christ. You get to receive the blessings, all of them in the heavenly places in Him. It's no longer according to the law, but according to His grace, seated at the right hand of the Father. That's where you get to receive your blessing. Jesus has become a curse for us. Deuteronomy 21. Anyone who is hung on a tree becomes a curse. Where was Jesus hung? He has become a curse for us. And we could go on and on and on and on and on about how Jesus fulfills the law. It's so important that you understand what it says. I hope that this has just piqued your interest even a little bit to wanting to see what's in the Old Testament, how to read the Bible. These are the types of things that will keep you from falling away from the Lord later. When you understand these little details and who Jesus says that he is, like if someone says to me that Jesus isn't God, he never said that, I would laugh. I'd be like, that's because you don't, you don't know how to read the Bible. Jesus says it all the time. He even, he even compares himself to a bunch of stuff in the Old Testament that I understand, right? Right? Like, how could you say that about God? Like, that's crazy. Crazy. But it's because it's in there. And I hope that, I hope that you just go on the journey of asking questions, thinking about what God says. It says to worship the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all of your strength. He didn't give you that. If God is asking you a question right now, or you're asking a question about God, whichever way that's going, then pursue it. Pursue it. Like that question isn't there for nothing. Think about it. Think about it. And then ask him and he may show you. Ask somebody else. Ask your brother or sister in Christ. Be like, do you know what that means? It's like, have you thought about that before? Like, oh man, I hadn't thought about that. It's like, well, I've been trying to figure out what this question is for the last two weeks. Think about it. It's because he loves you and he wants you to know him for who he really is not somebody that we make up in our minds so pursue those questions i found that god gives me those questions on purpose all the time and he's not an angry father i had an angry father growing up and I, i couldn't ask my dad questions my father is gentle kind loving and when i ask him questions he's so faithful to to at least lead me down a path do i know everything absolutely not not even close but he wants to show himself to me through his word especially. So, guys, I hope that's helpful for you. I hope that you just love the law. Remember that you have followed the law perfectly by putting your faith in Christ. You don't have to, you don't have to make sacrifices or do any of those things. Don't let that If you read it, don't let that fear creep in. It's like, I wonder if I'm doing the right thing. Jesus has fulfilled it for you. So find rest in him. If you're here and you've never trusted Jesus before and you just listened to me the whole time, thank you. And Jesus came so that way he could forgive you of your sins and make you new, make you righteous so that you can dwell in perfect relationship with him for the rest of your life. It says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, then you will be saved. Praise be to God, we don't have to make all of these 613 laws and things to follow Him. Talk about devotion though. Like some people devoted to God, we're like, man, we were here for a long time tonight. Like these guys, their whole life was like raising cattle to take to the tent or the temple that was their life insanity absolute insanity but Jesus came he fulfills it and you get to walk with him in relationship with him that's why you were made he tells you who you are because he made you and he loves you he can free you of your sins let me pray for you Lord Jesus I just thank you for your law I thank you for the beauty of it I thank you for what it reveals And God, I pray that you would help me along with all my friends here. Just give us a special anointing and understanding of your Old Testament to see you rightly. As holy, as righteous, as just, as Father, friend, Redeemer, Deliverer, Savior, and so many others. God, would you reveal yourself to us Lord, even give us a healthy reverence for you. That, that even being in worship services, Lord, I just pray for the weightiness of your glory. That the first thought that comes to our mind is, we should bow down. We should bow down because you are holy. Lord, would you re- reestablish that in our hearts and our culture today? And in the same breath, Lord, would you show us how kind and close and gentle you are, even as you spoke with Moses as a man speaks with a friend? Lord, would you speak to us that way? That we could just know you and hear your voice, protect us from the works of the enemy and his lies and his schemes? Lord, I thank you that you've given us your word, that you've protected it, that you've given it to us to read to live the righteous life that you've called us to live, would you help us obey it now? Would you fill us with your love? with everything that we do just be from a place of knowing that we're loved by you and then going out in the love that we've been loved by? God bless every single person here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Real quick, I don't think it's turned on. This is a, this is a book about the Old Testament, uh, Introducing the Old Testament by Longman Three, Trimper Longman Three, the third. And it's just like a really cool little overview of all of the books of the Old Testament. Um, super helpful. One of the first ones that I read. And if you want to take a look at this, it'll be right here. One. Yeah, hey, uh, listen. So I... I... Just want to reiterate like we're doing this going through the old testament, we're gathering here, we're listening to look at and fall more in love with Jesus. That is that is the end. There is no and Duncan and Lee as well done a beautiful job at connecting. That's that's what this is all about. This is all to help us get a better look and fall more in love with Jesus. And so I just want to encourage you as we're as we're here on these nights and we're we're reading through this this is what Jesus shares with, with the Jewish leaders. In John 5 he says, you know you, you search the scriptures you pour over them because then you think that they're just not alive. But they all testify to me. And you refuse to come and rest in me. That's the invitation.